This is Wahasu, the World Happiness Summit. Feel the science. I'm just so happy that you are joining me in this conversation. I have so many questions. Sure. You it's know, my pleasure, really. The fact, thank you so much, the fact that you have done the science and the research to justify something that it's intuitive and so right. I am so grateful for you, even though my kids are already adults. Um, but I hear that play is also important for adults too. Yeah, it appears. Well, I have a good time. How about you? Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not stopping my play anytime soon. So listen, I got the, the very best compliment from my granddaughter, Ellie. Elena is five years and three quarters, which she you know is very clear about that. It's very important. Quarters. It's very, very important. <laughs> and um and she said to me at one point, very inquisitively, when she was four, she looks at me and she goes, you, you like to play, don't you? And I said, yes, I, I love to play. And she said to me, hmm, you know what you are? And I said, no, no, what am I? She says, you are a little grown up. And I said, okay, that's it. From that's now it. On. That's, that's your yeah, bio. I just little grown up, right? I just want to be known (laughs) as the little grown up. I'm so happy. Yes. Oh wow. Gosh, that is so amazing. Um, Can can you share a little bit about the importance of play for children, as far as their development, their cognitive, emotional well-being? Yeah, for everyone. I mean, you know, first of all, one way to look at this is to say play's been around for a long time. Okay, like. We've had kids playing with toys documented since the Roman period, since the Greek period. In fact, do you know, I just learned the other day that the wheel, okay? Now we always wheels, right? Love our wheels. It first came from a children's toy that was invented in the like Roman empire or something. So how cool is that? So play's been around a long time. We also know that no matter what the disaster is, kids seem to come out of it playing. That's amazing, you know, that they cope by learning how to play with whatever it is, whether it's war, whether it's hurricanes, whether it's COVID, you know, they ever come out of it. Um, But that's pretty amazing. The other thing to note is that animals play, like animals play, okay? So dogs play. And cats play. I've been watching outside my window here. I'm in California right now. Dolphins seem to play. Uh, we know that octopuses play. Imagine octopuses play. Goats play. All right. What is it about this thing play? You know, what is it that is so compelling, right? That it's species driven, that it comes out in places you don't expect it. There's got to be an evolutionary reason for it. Right? Absolutely. So, when we looked at it, you know, coping, um, kids help to cope when they can practice things first. It's used in hospitals mm-hmm. as a way of helping to build trust, to understand that the kid will be okay um, in scary moments. Dentists use it. Um, some doctors put clown noses on and, you know, try to establish mm-hmm. a different kind of rapport. Um, we know that play is really good for social development. In fact, it turns out when you're in play, it's a safe space for navigating back and forth relationships. Mm-hmm. 
having conversations. It increases your language conversations. And it's unbelievable. And then when we look more closely, some of these games are building, you know, all important STEM skills, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You say like, what would do that? Board games, rolling dice, mm -hmm. you know, learning mathematical extent. Card games. Huh? Card games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a lot of value in play. And I think we got so hung up somewhere along the line in thinking that everything had to be educational. In fact, I didn't realize till very recently that in the, I think it was the 1950s, that it was Disney who first came up with the term edutainment. Mm. And, you know, this whole question then becomes whether educational toys, educational apps, educational television, how much of it is really educational? Some is done very well. Mm -hmm. We just did a paper that just came out in Children in Screens looking at, for young children, the uh, 100 most popular downloaded apps. Mm -hmm. We wanted to see, you know, what's, what's the educational value in here? What's going on? Is it really playful? It's, and they're not. They're things like, what is two plus three? Five! Yay! <laughs> I mean, really, you know, play is about being active, minds on and engaged and meaningful and interactive and iterative. It is not the same thing each time, even with a cardboard box. And mm -hmm. joyful, you know? And you put those, those ingredients together and wonderful things come out of it. That's amazing. I mean, so many things were sparked within me when, when you were describing this. Um, it's experiential. It's like a test yeah. tube, right? It, or a test project, which is life, right? right. And, and, and today I was speaking to another expert and we were talking about resilience and we were talking about failure at work. How can we yeah. accept yeah. failure at work? Yeah. And it's really, uh, as a, uh, my background is in communication. So I think it's uh -huh. the words that we prescribe. So for example, failure is not necessarily failure. It's called growth or experience. Oh, so I, yes. you know, in what you're describing, you also have moments when you play that you lose, let's say, but mm -hmm. then you learn maybe the next time around to do it a little bit better, or at least do it a little bit differently and how to deal with not getting what you want. That's right. In a, in a way that is healthy, right? Yeah. Well, in fact, so, so much so that the greatest inventors of all time, you know, all of them talk about play as being central to what they did mm -hmm. and failure as central mm -hmm. to what they did. Because in play, you know, you're like an explorer, a discoverer, and not everything's going to be the right answer. And it shouldn't be. And if that were the way it was, we would never, ever develop anything new. It's so it's it's a new way of, of I think communicating or saying failure is really innovation. Yes, and right. Failure is innovation. It's innovation. And can you imagine if you played, for example, a game of baseball, mm -hmm. and you knew you had to make nine runs or six runs or three? It takes you know it's 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 not it's not alive. It's not growing. It's not happening in the experience of the moment. You can't control it to that effect. I mean, how motivated are you when the tower falls down? And you have to put those bricks back up to see if you can make it higher. You know, so mm -hmm. I think failure is an integral part of the whole system. In fact, we came up with a system of, um, of skills that you need for the 21st century. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, we call them the six C's. We developed them in our book called um, Why Am I Becoming Brilliant? And the first one is learning how to get along, collaboration. Yes. Okay. If you can't get along and understand each other and work together and negotiate, you're in trouble in a business world that always talks about what team you're on. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second thing is communication. You have to be able to listen. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to read. You have to be able to write. The third one is content. And these all build on one another. Can't have communication without collaboration. Mm-hmm. Can't have content without good communication skills. So in content, you know, it's learning to learn skills, right? Mm-hmm. As well as all the other stuff that we shove in, science and math and social studies and whatever. And then we have critical thinking, mm-hmm. right? How do you learn to navigate between what you've learned and how do you make the most of it and bring the evidence to bear? The next level is um, hard to call them levels. It's like it keeps cycling is creative innovation. There are no creators. There are no creators who have never failed. None. Zero. And the last one we call confidence. And that's the confidence to take intellectual risks, to have a growth mindset, and to fail. The confidence to fail. So put those six C's together. And where do you find them? In the sandbox. You know where else you find them? In the boardroom of successful companies. And successful relationships too. What you're describing is also family life, right? Exactly you right. know, this is what we need to do to navigate healthy relationships just yeah, all together. Exactly. That's exactly. really amazing. I mean, uh, makes perfect sense. And I love how you have been able to really look at the, the, the whole human experience. Yes. And, and, you know, that's where we, I think, went a little off course is we, we started building pieces and we didn't ask how... They integrate it into, into the whole. And of course, you know, like you talk about world happiness. If we're happier, we're willing to do more. If we're happy and playing, we're willing to stick with it and have more grit. If we're happy, we're willing to find more of that evidence because it's a challenge. So that's, I think, where we're at right now is, is in reigniting um, maybe a little bit of the child in us to help make a world that's constantly changing and it's also flexible, uh, a better world to live in for all of us. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's basically the, the, the mission of, of what we're doing is to try to really bring an awareness of this yeah. principle you're describing. We were not aware that these things are, first of all, who we are. Human beings are basically yeah. the same in certain ways. You know, we're, our biology is very much alike. So we have biases, we have you know, we ruminate, we tend to be negative. Um, so we have to be effortful towards the positive. But the amazing thing is the benefits that come oh. out of it, not only for the individual, for the relationship, for the community, the ripples that come out of it, the, the, the cities, yeah. um, the systemic change that we're all talking about. You know, if we can in, in bring increased well-being practices, evidence-based practices in schools, in workplaces, and mm-hmm. in cities, I think we will see a completely different world. Well, we'll have a kinder, gentler world as well. And gosh knows we need it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what's going on right now, 
you know, whether it's the hate or all the other things that go with it, it's are just despicable. And I think we, we can't continue like this because we'll self-destruct. Absolutely, absolutely. In, 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 our, in our environment can continue either. I think, you know, on the personal thought on my, on my end, I think that with COVID, we have this event that is a, a global trauma. That, so we right. are unified in this event. And so now we have an opportunity, not to say that anything, that, that COVID was good at all. <laughs> no, it was not. It, it, it is not. And, um, but I think that we have an opportunity to do something different, not to bring this, what is called new normal or to continue for me, it's a balls up in the air moment. And instead of trying to fit them in some kind of circular, uh, bucket, how about a triangle or a square, you know, because the the circle wasn't working. So let's try something different this time around. Right. I view this as like one of the great moments of opportunity for us to recognize the ruts we were stuck in, mm-hmm. you know, to reflect on, did we really wanna be there? Is this really what we want cities to look like? Mm-hmm. Is this really what we want our days to be filled with? Or are we looking for something bigger and bolder that is based on what is the human condition at base? Mm-hmm. And that's relationships. Absolutely. No matter what else you do in life, we are sociable creatures mm-hmm. and our brain functions on social. And if we give that up, the computers will outsmart us. They will without question. Absolutely. And if we're not purposeful about putting a heart into the, into technology, then we're not going to a create a, a good d- digital citizens. And then B the technology is going to learn from our example. And I don't think we've done a very good job yeah, for them to, to learn from. So, um, you, you know, I, I just, I'm fascinated with your work. I want to know a little bit more about your playful learning landscapes. Sure, I'm sure, sure. impressed by that. Oh, thank you. Well, the idea here, where, where are you, uh, where are you calling in from? Where's Miami? Oh, you're in Miami. Are you guys closed still? No, no. We're, I said we're in Miami. So <laughs> Miami was closed for about three months, a long time ago, no, no, and Miami I, never closed again. I, but I heard last week with spring break, no, no, they closed no. everything again. No. No, okay. Miami is Miami, so no, we're fully open. <laughs> yes, with your governor, you're fully open. Okay, so anyway, um, here, you know, it was kind of a, a bold idea, but here it is. If tw- children only spend 20% of their waking time in school, mm-hmm. it raises this really interesting question of what are we doing with the other 80%? Mm-hmm. And why do our public spaces look yucky? <laughs> That's a technical term. But uh, yes, why, you know, why, why aren't they inviting? Why aren't neighborhoods, neighborhoods that people are proud to live in? Mm-hmm. Why can't the neighborhoods be part of designing proud to live in neighborhoods, you know? where communities bond together to create spaces that they own again. And as one woman put it so beautifully in one of the neighborhoods we work in, places where our children will want to come back to, not Mm. leave. So I really did think a lot about it and, and with a team, built a team and we've designed, we've, we've designed these gorgeous spaces with community members 
that literally bake the cognitive science of learning into architecture in fun and engaging ways to create the new public square. Wow. And imagine today if every city engaged in creating these new public squares, if our public spaces were inviting and fun, what you're seeing behind me is a bus stop. Beautiful. It's a bus stop. And cities maintain bus stops anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not put their money into building a beautiful bus stop? You know, it doesn't cost any more than those horrible metal things do. Mm-hmm. It's community involved in what they'd like to see. We put puzzles in the bus stop. Big puzzles that people can play. We put these, these uh, things that you see in the back, the going on coming down there's an idea where kids can build stories like mad libs you know we have opportunities for people to find the hidden pictures um where the telephones all of a sudden go down and where people are engaged with each other people who even you know come from very different worlds like fox news and cnn Mm -hmm. they live in these same public squares that we can enrich so if we can find the places where people wait, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's grocery stores or whether it's bus stops, whether it's hospital waiting rooms, whether it's, um, I don't know, you can name it, laundromats, whether it's sidewalks, cities are now galvanizing to try to create a different kind of city for them. Our, most, our, latest, um, our latest adventure is in Santa Ana, California, where like in Philly, we're creating a playful learning city. Oh, wow. What does that look like? Oh my God. What are the elements? The elements are to change the bus stops, to change what the parks look like. The whole community is involved. They meet us on Zoom like once a week and we're doing the whole thing in Espanol. You know? Excelente, me encanta. Yeah. It's one very important. So uh, it's uh, what I love is that also you're creating these opportunities and environments. So you're right. creating an environment for an opportunity for community okay. and learning, That's which right. you learn through community and through relationship. But exactly. you also, you know, I, I see the child behind you, and uh, you know, even though he's by himself, he's learning. And it, oh my it, really, God. it yeah. reminds me of there's a mall here, and yeah. inside of the mall there's a circle. Okay, so it's 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 like embedded in the floor. It's a circle with absolutely nothing on it. <laughs> the Great. children play there like like if it would be Disney World. It's the most amazing thing, and it's just a circle. It's a bunch of kids that get together in a circle, and it's like if you were giving away sugar or chocolates. That That's is right. a level of enthusiasm just by creating an opportunity. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and that's what we're seeing too. You know, we. Uh, we redid a public library. All of a sudden, families started coming to the library. Uh, we redid, um, you know, this bus stop. More people started coming to this bus stop. I mean, it's just, you know what happens when you put a big ruler, like a monster-sized ruler on the ground? Mm-hmm. Kids jump. Mm-hmm. They jump. And then they compare jumps. Then they're doing math. Mm-hmm. We painted over. Um, normal everyday, you know, uh, basketball courts. 
when we painted over basketball courts and created fraction ball, all of a sudden kids started adding up the fractions to see what number they could get to and not go over this number. And in third graders who did this for just two weeks, two weeks during gym class, or, I'm sorry, during uh, recess for 15 minutes, right? Four times a week. They came back and they could do decimal fraction conversion. The teacher's been trying the whole year to get them to do it. I love it because you bring also the different ways that we learn. And yeah. so, you, you, you know, you bring the, the, the whole uh, learning process and that whole child to learn. Because as we know, you know, ch children that are, some of the children that are categorized like learning disabled, to me, it's not a learning disability. It's a teaching disability. You just That's haven't right. figured out how to teach exactly right. a child that learns exactly. a different way. But they well, can learn. Most of them yeah. can learn really. And they're really quite bright, actually. They just don't learn in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. So you also make, you're also making why fractions matter. Because frankly, if they don't matter to me, why am I going to learn it, right? Well, and, and, you know, if you engage people in stuff that matters to them, you're so right, you're so dead on, and you give people different access points, then it's not one right way to do it. You know, learning's, mm -hmm. more, like, learning's more like a map, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like there are multiple ways to get to the destination, but you have to give people the chance to do that. That's wonderful. I, I just love everything that, that you're doing. Um, you know, it's so important for education, for city design, for well-being, for happiness, for evolution. Um, I think that the, that the work that the, uh, the social thinkers are doing right now is mm -hmm. really what's going to get us to the next level of human evolution. And it's almost like we've been, in a sense, in the dark ages. <laughs> and I think, I, and I think that, well, you know, I think that now philosophy, art, design, beauty, play, yeah. these are the elements that I think will take us, you know, buttress us because yeah. we have the other learning very well. I mean, we know a lot about a lot of things that is, you know, too much even how to do certain things to a certain degree, too clever. But now if we can start bringing some of these um, forgotten sciences, as it were, no, I think, I think you're right. Bring it evolve. back. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's it's all about bringing bringing back what matters. You know, I, I had a, a wonderful opportunity to go visit Reggio in uh, mm -hmm. in um, Reggio Emilia, the the learning uh, Italy in Italy. Yeah, and and uh, I met with uh, Carla Rinaldi, mm. who was one of the leaders of the movement, and she and I had this great talk. Cause she was teaching little kids, little kids, how to cook. And they brought in a chef to, um, it was an early childhood center. And I thought, isn't that interesting that they're teaching stuff through cooking, you know? Mm -hmm. And then everybody ate what was cooked. And, and there was like real attention to the detail of making it beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that the, you know, the pasta that came out looked really right. And I said to her, my God, that's so amazing that you're doing this. I love it. And she said, you know, beauty is part of what makes us who we are. Culture, fun, play, enjoyment, the tasting of it. All of this is part of what makes us human beings. The minute we give that up, you know, then the computers and the apes are just mm -hmm. as we are. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to ask you. 
ask you next about technology because what you're describing to me is savoring and and i think it, that a lot of people during COVID have have had the opportunity to also slow down and notice yes. that we didn't notice before two things yes. one is noticing some uncomfortable things that has you know pain is a great catalyst for change so some yeah. things that need to be the ones that can have the self-awareness and go through those challenging emotions have engage in a new way of thinking and being more conscious about what they want to do and what is important in their lives. Right. And then on the other side, in the slowing down, we're noticing our external environment more. And, uh, and, and that's exciting, I think, because, you know, you know, technology is a rabbit hole that we can, you know, go through, especially now that we're working, we're learning through it. And, uh, and I think that, that uh, it's, it's, it's a problem. No, it's a deep problem. And, you know, I, I am looking forward to the time when the technology embeds uh, opportunities to prompt more social interaction. In person. In person interactions, rather than um, believing that it is a partner to humans. I don't think it is our partner. It is prompt. And it's a beautiful prompt, Yes, but it is not a partner. And so we just have to step back a little and rethink a lot of this, I think. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time. Oh my God, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. You're listening to the World Happiness Summit podcast. For more information, check out our website at worldhappinesssummit.com or send us an email at contact at wahasu.com. Thank you for listening.